When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins starts right now. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twist it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reach shot, score! 3-0 Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are pouring it on, Craig Anderson and the hapless Senators. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Let's get it going. We have the Capitals and the Flyers through the first period. They are tied 1-1. Still to come tonight, the Stars play the Wild. That one will start in about half an hour. Later on, the Sharks on home ice with a two-zip lead on the Kings. That's your NHL playoff action this evening. The Raptors on home court. Game two of their playoff series. Three minutes left in the first half. Toronto is up 46-37 on Indiana. We'll keep you posted on your playoff action tonight. The Blue Jays won this afternoon, beating Boston 4-3. Four runs in the eighth inning for the Bluebirds. How you doing tonight? It is 6.08 inside sports on 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for coming along for the ride this evening. A lot to get to, of course, NHL playoff talk, some stories for over the weekend. Brendan Ulrich from Oilers now in studio. We're going to dive into some of the uh, players that I think are effective players, not just in these short playoffs this year, but over the last two or three years, and and uh, why the Oilers don't have players of this ilk. Mike Gabonet is going to join us. He guided the Nate Ooks to an undefeated season. He's now leaving town, going to become an associate coach at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. The Edmonton Eskimos going through the paces in Florida, a camp to find some of the new players. The Darrell Walkers of the world have come out of this camp in the past. Now, there are some uh, established players there going through the uh, camp with the, the new guys as well. But Jerry Modijong from Post Media is going to join us. That means he's in both the Journal and the Sun. And uh, Jamie Salm. To clarify some of that uh, Allen Cup stuff from last week uh, all ahead, we'll talk more in detail about the Ducks-Predator series later on as well. Brendan Ulrich in studio. Brendan, thanks for sticking around, buddy. Hey, no problem, man. The, the Washington Capitals gave up a goal, uh, what was it, 57 seconds, 51 seconds into the game? You know what, I missed it, and I'm very disappointed that I missed it because I was uh, coming from a nose appointment that ended up being 45, 50 minutes late. So I'm a little rattled about that. All right, is your nose all right? Ah, I don't know. It looks chiseled. I had surgery on it a, a while ago, and uh, I can breathe through one of my nostrils, so I guess that's good. What's going to happen with the other one? Well, I don't know. It's been four months, and I still can't breathe through the other side, so I guess that's a problem. Well, that's alarming. All right. You can text us at 630-630. The open line is 780-496-0063. Uh, this series, of course, already with a signature moment. And up in the air with a puck now along the near wing. 
And feeding it now along the far wall. It is past Manning. The Capitals will change and it goes in! The infamous goal from Saturday night that went underneath Steve Mason. That was not Brendan nor I laughing live. That was the uh, color commentator on the tape. Couldn't help himself but chuckling. You know, Brendan Ulrich, after that goal happened, I decided to be a bit of a smart aleck, which I try not to be, as you know. Yeah, I don't believe that. And I put on Twitter, classic Flyers goaltending. (laughs) And I got an angry response from a gentleman named Curtis, who was like, stick to covering the Oilers, Reed. What about Mason's 920 save percentage since he joined the Flyers? My response? Fair enough. But ever since I was a lad, Brendan Ulrich, have we not seen this act, even with good Flyers goaltenders who have done well in the regular season, something often goes wrong with this team's goaltending in the playoffs. Yeah, well, Hextall, I guess, would be the lone exception. Even when he came back, and but here's the thing. Well, well, the the year they played uh, the Red Wings in the final in '98, Hextall was back with them, and and I think the the goalie got pulled like every game, in in the final against the uh, Detroit Red Wings. They the the Flyers are a really good franchise. They make the playoffs almost every year. They play exciting hockey. When they've been bad, they have not been bad for a long time, right? Um, I mean, they've been to they they're one of those teams. They seem to be able to at least make the final four. You know, two or three times a decade, they were in the final a few years ago against the Hawks. Um, you know, they 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 were in the final, the conference final against the Lightning back in 2004. Um, but a lot of times, not every time, a lot of times, something goofy happens with their goaltending. And you can say what you want about Steve Mason's performance. Welcome to the unfair world of sports. He is going to be remembered for that goal, no matter what. That might be the worst I've ever seen. I mean... He, it was it was straight on the ice. There was no bounce. Um, it was just a little deflection. He had time to get ready for it. Just put your stick down. Why do you need to go in the full butterfly and let it go right through the wickets? Like you, I, I think the fact that he made that save earlier, I think it was the play before, uh, was it on Carlson where he did the splits? And maybe that had something to do with it. But, yeah, that was one of the worst I've ever seen. Usually it takes a weird bounce, but that one just went straight in. Look. When I say the name Tommy Salo quickly, what do you think of? Oh, the Olympic goal. Goal off the head yeah. in the Olympics. Was not was he Tommy Salo not a very good goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers? Yes, he was. He was probably one of the best he was probably one of the best Oilers of the nineties. One of my one of my Now they had they up. had Cujo, so Cujo outshone Salo ultimately if you were to rank them as goaltenders. But here here we go again. What's that that is the unfair nature of of sports. Greg Norman, what do you think of? Blue in the 97 Masters. 1986, led all three tournaments, sorry, led all four major tournaments after Saturday. Won one of them, won another major in 93. What do people say? Greg Greg Norman was a choke artist. Greg Norman was the best golfer of his era. Won a boatload of money and tons of other tournaments, didn't win the majors. So people say he's a choker. 
So you're saying Mason's a choker and all I'm not be? saying Mason's a choker. I'm saying, especially in this day and age, I mean, there were, uh, is it a GIF or a GIF? People, GIF, uh, I believe, yeah. You know, I think Giffy, the Oilers Nation know. guys said it was GIF. Oh, really? Okay. There were well, there were video clips. Let's just call that. There were video clips of you know uh, on Twitter within like three minutes of it happening <laughs> yeah. of him allowing the goal. So he can make he could make ten ten bell saves in this game. What are people going to say about Steve Mace? Not fair. Clearly, they're not in the playoffs without him to some extent. But well, he Neuver led in a goal from the Neuver, Well, Neuvers, didn't he wind up leading the league in save percentage? Or was he pretty close? I believe so, yeah. Uh, but he led in a goal from center. Hmm. Hard to argue that. I mean, I don't think the Flyers have any chance in the series to begin with, but they had a chance in that game. I mean, they probably outplayed the Caps for most of game two. They outshot the Caps, and then Mason let that in. So, yeah, you make a fair point. That's what people will remember. But that may be... Uh, if it's not the worst goal I've ever seen in the playoffs, it's top five. I mean, I'd have to sit down and, and really think. But I've been thinking for the last couple of days. That was, that was pretty bad. From what I remember, yeah, it's, it's the worst that I can remember. All right. So, uh, anyway, we're keeping an eye on this one. It's still 1-1 early into the uh, into the second period here. All right. So, uh, before we talk about some of the Oilers angle stuff I, I want to get to, and I want to talk about the Smith brothers, even though they're not, they're not brothers. Uh, <laughs> the 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 coach's challenge. Now, first of all, the um, well before we get to some of the offside stuff, the Dubnik goal. It I I read the explanation of why it counted, because even if the net is dislodged, if it's still moored yeah. by in any way, and the puck goes in, it counts, right? I know a couple people were still asking me about this today, so that's the explanation there. At least there's a, a rule in place that describes it perfectly, and you get sense of why it was a goal. Right. It wasn't just the refs were like, eh, yeah. probably would have gone in. Right. Makes sense. They, they actually were, were referring to specific rules. All right. We've we've debated. The, you know how I feel about the goalie interference rule. Off The offside challenge. Is it doing what it's supposed to do? No. Uh, they just wanted to eliminate the, the goals. Like, where it's a clear consensus, 100% offside. That was the plan. You listen to what the GMs had to say in the offseason. That was why they're putting this in place. And now you have plays that uh, are... It's hard, you can't even... It takes them 10 minutes to review the thing. Yeah. Because they can't even tell on the video after watching these blue line cameras if it's a goal or not. So that's the problem right there. It eliminates the human... The, the game of hockey, there's human errors in every play. I mean, if they're going to start challenging that, why not challenge a tripping call or a high-sticking call? Well, here, here's the thing, because I think there's still judgment involved in those. I, I think we still need to say the referee was there, he's in the flow of the game, he knows, he knows what he has called and hasn't called up to that point in the game, so we should respect that, even though obviously many calls are still debatable over the course of a game. I mean, I would say, though, if, you, if you're going to start challenging penalties, and I, w- I want to get this back to the offside. Yeah, I don't want to do that, by the way. If you're, if you're going to start challenging penalties, why not challenge puck over the glass? How many times are they yeah. not totally sure? And, you, and again, usually they're right. Usually they're and Most of the calls are obvious. Usually they're right on the close ones. But if I flip the puck over the glass, and I, and I see it tick the glass on the way out, and I'm getting a penalty in overtime, 
I'm looking at my coach across the ice, and I'm saying, challenge that, because yeah. I'm pretty sure it hit the glass, or maybe I know it hit the glass, and the and the ref or the linesman couldn't see it. All right, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the offside, because I have a suggestion for uh, leaving in the video review, but actually changing the offside rule. Brendan Ulrich, Reed Wilkins with you, 618, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Carlson has two center point goals. He is there now. Each of the first goals of the game have come from number 74. He has it here on a one-timer. They score! This one tipped by Mason. Marcus Johansson appeared to tip it. 15-17 to go in the first. The Capitals answer. Johansson from Carlson. We're tied at one here in Philadelphia. That is your most recent goal tonight. Johansson, after Raffle opened it up just 57 seconds into the game. 1-1. 12 and a half minutes left in the second period. Now Washington and Philadelphia. The Caps with some good pressure here over the last couple of minutes. Cannot find the net. Along with Brendan Ulrich, I'm Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The games later tonight will be in Minnesota and in San Jose. Quickly, who's in more trouble? The Kings or the Ducks? Well, they're both in a lot of trouble. Well, if you had to pick one, because I think one of them will come back. I don't think both of them I'll can. still say the Kings then. I Kings think the Ducks have a better chance of coming back. Yeah, I'm with and you. And the on Kings that. are in more trouble. I, I like mean, San Sharks Jose's right home record is like mind-bogglingly bad. Yeah, but you would think they win one at home at least. If it goes to seven, one of the three they'll win at home. All right, uh, it's uh, six twenty-three. You can text six thirty six thirty. Phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. This texture says, "Don't worry if you can only breathe through one nostril; it cuts your CO two emissions by fifty percent." I hear David Suzuki does the same thing on purpose. That's actually quite funny. <laughs> like, sign your name if you're going to be that clever. That's a good one. That's awesome. Yeah. Suzuki's pretty all-powerful, but I don't know if he's that powerful. Okay. My, my jumping-off point for the Oilers' discussion still to come is going to center around Craig Smith and Riley Smith. And Don't worry. I am going to take you from point A to B once we get there. All right. So Okay, so the offside. The, the Laterra instance is a good instance, right? That led to the Tarasenko yeah. goal, and then it, it didn't count, right? Yeah. Because the, uh, was it Huberto that bought, brought the puck over the line? Yeah, that was last night, Huberto. I yeah. mean, I w- I, here's the thing. I'm fine with that being reviewed and that being waved off. Because he preceded the puck over the line, okay? I think that it should be onside even if your skate is off the ice, as long as it is, it is still over top of the plane of the blue line. So your skate has to be totally inside the blue line, either on or off the ice. But you can have the puck, you can have your skate off the ice, but you're onside if your skate is still over top of the blue line. Because those ones are almost impossible to call with the naked eye, where we know at what point the guy lifted his foot up relative to the puck crossing the line. And then it's going to be hopefully easier to discern on, on, well, not easier to discern on replay, but it's... I mean, he's, it's it's like it's like football. The ball's not over unless it's all the way over. So his foot shouldn't be over unless it's all the way over. Ovechkin gets a goal. It's two one Capitals. 
No, that's a very reasonable solution, but I just don't see the NHL making any kind of big changes like that. They put this in place. I think they're set on going with it. It's not like the NFL. The NFL, they, they make rule changes every year, and then they change rules back. The NHL is like, okay, this is what we're doing. We're stubborn about it, and it's going to it's going to stay the same. Even though there's all this outcry, the problem I have, it's 2-1 in the third period of a playoff game, and the momentum completely shifts because of that 10-minute-long delay. And then it perfect example is the Blues are up 2-1. The goal doesn't count. It's 1-1, five minutes left, Chicago scores, and they win the game. Okay, but let me, here's, here's the thing to play devil's advocate to that. If you're trying to get the call right, why is there a time limit on making sure you have it correct? Yeah, that's... See, maybe I'm just bitter because I'm cheering for the Blues in that instance over <laughs> beating Chicago, but... And I've always been, my whole life, it's okay. I, I'm okay if they get it right. They have all this technology. They should be able to get it right. So why can't they get it right? And now they are getting it right, and I'm still complaining about it. So I think it's just the fact that it slows down momentum in a game. They need to find a solution, make it quicker maybe. Well, see, they brought in that offside challenge, so goals like that Colorado goal last yeah. year. Clearly offside. Well, but, but I mean, so fine. Obviously, that would be challenged. But, but And here's the thing. If I allowed an overtime goal... I'd just challenge everyone. Who knows? <laughs> go fair. back 40 seconds. Go back on the rush. I don't know. Maybe the guy's foot did come up. You always see the coaches thinking about it in overtime goal. Yeah. Like, oh, might as well throw it out there. Yeah. So uh, as as valuable as video review is, and, and we've been discussing it a lot over the last year because it comes up during football, came up during Eskimos a couple times. The CFL has opened it not wide open, but pretty uh, pretty wide open to challenge stuff. And, and now the NHL has added these two instances of goalie interference and offside, and nobody seems to like it. 627. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Still 2-1 for the Capitals, but defenseman Brooks Orpik. Brendan being helped off the ice here. We thought maybe it was his shoulder, but he can't uh, put any weight on that left leg either. Yeah, that does not look good, and uh, that'd be a big blow for the Capitals. Uh, Orpik really slides everybody into place on their back end, but they lose him. That's not good. You wonder, I wonder if that's maybe a hip or something. He got hit pretty hard. Yeah, it was hard. Cleanly. Awkward looking. By Ryan White. I mean, I guess you could argue it was a little late, but Orpik... Uh, it was very, hard, a hard, hard hit. Yeah, Orpik very slowly going to the dressing room, so we'll keep an eye on that. NHL playoffs going on tonight. Three games. This is the only one underway. The Raptors early second half, just a minute in, up 57-48 on the Indiana Pacers game two of that series. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich in studio. Brian says, hey guys, my money is on the Kings to come back. They've come back from a 3-0 deficit not long ago. They have true grit. That is from Brian. All right. Well, the Sharks have goaltending now, it looks like, too. So that's a little bit different. Jones better than Niemi. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. All right. All right. So, first of all, when you when you watch the playoffs, does it make you feel like, oh, my goodness, the Oilers are even further away than I thought they were? Uh, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. You just watch how hard they, they play. I think that's the big thing, Reed, because... I think the Oilers, if they ever were in a playoff hunt or whatever reason, or whatever, if they were in a playoff hunt or they were in the playoffs, they, they, their intensity level would, would go up. You'd and hope look, so. You'd, you'd hope it better. naturally gets dragged yeah. along, yes. So you wonder how big of a difference or how far they actually are off because they're by 
the, halfway through the season, they know they're out of the playoffs. They know where they're going, and it's human nature. I know they're paid to to go to the rink and perform and play every day, but as you mentioned, it just takes over sometimes, and you you up your your level. So, but you look at the Oilers overall; their defense isn't good enough. You have defensemen out there playing thirty minutes a night. The Oilers have no one that could go out there and play thirty night thirty minutes a night in the playoffs. Right. Um, their secondary scoring isn't good enough. You look at. I know some of the examples you're going to bring up here. The Oilers don't have players like that that can step up in the playoffs and maybe score 20, 20 goals in the regular season and then up it to being a goal per game in the playoffs like some of these other guys are doing right now. They have no one like that. All right, well, the Oilers' best players, Connor McDavid, obviously, yeah. first overall draft pick. Taylor Hall, first overall draft pick. Jordan Everly, first-round draft pick, right? I just, I just want to bring up a couple of names. And maybe one is a bit of a better example for what one of the things that has plagued the Oilers than others. Craig Smith for the Nashville Predators. All right? Like, who? Craig Smith. When he's entering the NHL or the University of Wisconsin, would he be like, oh, Craig Smith's a good player? Last three years, 24 goals, 23 goals, and 21 goals. Not far off the team lead on the Oilers this season. Right? Hall had 26. Yeah. He had, he had 21. Craig Smith was taken 98th overall by the Predators in 2009. As a 20-year-old, he's now 26. Like I said, he went to Wisconsin. The other guy has been traded a couple times. He was drafted by Boston in 2009, 69th overall. So we're talking third, fourth round guys here. Okay, This is Riley Smith. He's now 25. His last three years, he's had 20 goals, 13 goals, and 25 goals. He led Florida in even strength ice time this year. We know what he's doing in the playoffs. He's, he's been the top top shooter in the playoffs so far. So here are guys, mid-round picks, that have developed into key secondary scorers on their team. Right? I'm going to ask you something. Who was the last player drafted by the Oilers outside of the first round that had a 20-goal season as an Oiler? Uh, would it be Sean Horkoff? It would be Sean Horkoff in 2008. He had 21 goals in 53 games. He was drafted 99th in 1998. Now, the two Smiths were both drafted in 2009. How, how does the Oilers' 2009 draft look? You have it there. <laughs> uh, well, I think there was some excitement at the time. But it uh, didn't go as uh, people had expected. I mean, I remember this draft. People were talking, okay, maybe Anton Lander becomes the captain of this team one day. There were people out there saying that. Everyone was excited about Magnus PRV. He he was good his first couple of years here. So and, what was their exact spot? Well, PRV was 10th overall, and Lander was a second rounder, 40th overall. Okay, so PRV was a first rounder. Yeah. Which the Oilers have at least had relative success. Who else did they draft in 2009? Uh, Troy... Hesketh, mm-hmm. Cameron Abney, yeah, uh, Tony Rayala, okay, Olivier Waugh. How many combined NHL games for those four guys? Zero. Zero. Wow. All right. So after the second round, right in 2009, when guys who became depth depth scorers like Craig Smith and Riley Smith were available. The Oilers took guys that have played a combined zero games. Now, I know to some extent we're beating a dead horse here because we all know that the, the Oilers haven't drafted well. That's been one of their, their weaknesses. But but here, here are specific examples. 
for guys who can still contribute quite decent offensive numbers, who are who aren't stars, but who can play the game, get to the net, have decent finish. And again, Riley Smith's been traded tr- twice, so I mean he was part of the Sagan trade. He was uh, traded to Florida for Jimmy Hayes by Boston. So not suggesting he's a star player. But when was the last time the Oilers got scoring depth after the first round? They haven't. Well, I have their drafts here. I mean, yeah, it's it's bare. 2002, Jarrett Stoll. Okay, so Second we're talking a long pick. time. So, yeah. again, in the last decade when they've been out of the playoffs, where has there been a depth draft pick of their own? I mean, they've had they've had draft picks of other teams come in and score goals or, or guys who were signed by other teams like Dustin Penner, right, who then the Oilers then, then offer sheeted, come in and score goals. But a guy who's come up through the Oilers system and has become that solid, you know, fifth, sixth, or seventh forward. Well, yeah, I look you at cannot Stoll. name one. You cannot name one in the, that was drafted in the last decade. The second closest would be Anton Lander. That that. But how many career goals does he have? Nine. Oh, gee, I was going to say fourteen. It's not even double digits. <laughs> so yeah, wow. It's mind-boggling when you look at it and think about it. So so here's the thing. How so? Are are the Oilers e- equipped? Now we're talking about from a maturity and. You know, the question I asked you earlier from the point of view of maturity and being able to handle the pace and the intensity, well, no, they're not equipped, but we don't know how they'd actually perform in this type of situation because we haven't seen it for so long. But in terms of the makeup of the roster and being able to acquire guys without trading them or signing them, they're flat out not equipped to compete. Who's coming up through the farm to be a secondary scorer right now? Well, you would hope it would be a Bogdan, Bogdan Yakimov or an Anton Slepyshev, but uh, both of those players, I guess, had underwhelming seasons. Um, Jujarakara, I guess, was a guy who had some success this season at the NHL level. But uh, the longer he played, the more you started to realize, okay, he still has some work to do. I don't know if Jujar is a top six no, NHL forward. I think, I, he, a, I, I think he is probably a fourth liner. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think if Jujar Kara becomes a third-line NHLer, he's done He's done well. I think Yakimov, though, was a guy we had hoped more of. And that's the guy I think you hope can come up and be one of these players you're talking about. But at this point, uh, it doesn't look like that's likely. It's just, I mean, I mean so much focus has been on, on the Oilers obviously drafting first overall or really high. So the years they haven't drafted first overall, they got Nurse seventh and Dreisaitl sixth. Or, or, or third, is, third, pardon me. They've had high picks in those other rounds. Like Mitch Baraz. That's Maraz. a scary thing. Mitch, is, like, is, is Mitch Baraz going to play in the NHL? Uh, I don't think he, 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 was no. No. he was a second round pick. He was a second round pick. I mean, he should be a little closer than, than, than where he is right now. In an early second. So here's the thing. Not not only I mean not only have the Oilers not drafted guys who can be secondary scores they 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 haven't quite frankly drafted guys who are even decent NHLers for the most part up front now Brandon Davidson could be an absolute fairy tale story by this time next year if he comes back from the injury and he plays well right fair enough maybe some of the guys the other defensemen they signed out of the NCAA are drafted late maybe. But the forward cupboard doesn't look very good. And and so, again, 
it's on the first-round draft picks to score almost all the time. Now, Pouliot was a signing. He, he came in. Perron was here for a while. We'll see how Maroon turns out. Okay, fair enough. You know, you can round it up with other ways, with, with other guys, but at some point, there has to be the people you develop yourselves that contribute more to the lineup. A couple other names for you, okay, from different years. I was just kind of randomly looking at stuff today. Cam Atkinson, last three years, 21, 22, 27 goals. 27 goals would have led the Oilers this year, correct? Yep. Cam Atkinson was drafted 157th overall in 2008. 157th overall in 2008. Now, granted, playing on another bad team. Vincent Trocek, 64th overall in 2011. 25 goals this year for the Florida Panthers. Third rounder. So these guys are out there that can squeeze out 18, 21, 24, 25 goals and round out your scoring. It, it's almost unexplainable. Like, how is it not happening for just out of pure luck? Like, even if we uh, we we decide and agreed upon the others drafting hasn't been good enough, out of pure luck, you think they would draft one or two guys that would, uh, you know, end up being one of these players you're talking about. It's just, it's unexplainable. And uh, is it the curse? Is it a curse? I don't know, because as I say, you think I could I could go up there on the draft podium and just look at some stats and draft someone, and eventually one of these guys would, would come through, you would think. 645, Brad says, Reed, you know what's too bad? That the Oilers didn't have a second-round pick in 2010 to pick Tyler Toffoli. Or in 2011 to pick Boone Gender or Brandon Saad. Oh, wait, they had about five of them. That is from Brad. All right, 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. A little more with Brendan Ulrich. Inside Sports on 630, Chad, when we get... You're listening to 630, Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. And Giroux hopping around Backstrom to center. Good stick check by Oshie and neutralized to stop the forward progress of Giroux. Ahead for Ovechkin, a shot, he scores! Ovechkin on a steal, gets to the right circle, and keeps it low against Mason with 11-10 to go in the second. It's 2-1, Washington! That is still the score as time is expiring in the second period. Final five seconds now. Well, we had a delayed penalty. Well, no, it's going to be called right at the buzzer on Philadelphia. So the Capitals will take a... Boy, Mike Richards is involved today, eh, Brendan? Well, his former team, he's mixing it up out there. (laughs) Uh, 2-1. 2-1. The Capitals lead. They're already up 2-0 in the series. We have an early goal for the Dallas Stars. Patrick Sharp scores 1-0. Dallas up on Minnesota. Only three and a half minutes into the game. Kings and Sharks later on. Basketball tonight. Whoa, tight now. 65-61 for the Raptors. Three minutes left in the third quarter. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Brad says, guys, the problem is we can only fire Prendergast and Stu once each. They're to blame. In 2007, they had four cracks at P.K. Subban. Nothing to show for it. Four picks in the top 36 and zero. Prendergast, the worst scout in NHL history. That is from Brad. Uh, uh, Big L basically agreeing. He says, well, there was a reason that Shirelli fired the scouts. 
DB says, if you can't get hits on second and third rounders, you can't be the Chicago model. You need cap management, and you need to refill your talent. I mean, some of the later round picks for the Hawks, Ben Smith, sixth round, Marcus Kruger, fifth round, Andrew Shaw, fifth round, Brandon Saad, who's obviously now gone, uh, second round. And then in recent years, Chicago doesn't have a lot of players with NHL experience because they don't need them. Interestingly enough, all of Chicago's draft picks from 2006 have played a total of 646 games. Jonathan Taves has played 645 of them. (laughs) Peter LeBlanc, who was in the seventh round, played one game. So from the 06 draft... Uh, the Hawks didn't get anybody between the rounds two and six, but they got a pretty good good one with uh, with Jonathan Taves. It's uh, six fifty one. This is your action furnace Oilers. Re- Another one already. Patrick Sharp scored again. Oh, what? Ha- oh, is this a giveaway here? No, this is just uh, live action. Now. Oh, this is live action. Yeah. Sorry, I thought they were showing a replay. The first one was a giveaway. Suter tried to clear up the wall, and Goligoski intercepted it. So already two nothing Dallas, and they're up two nothing in the series. This is your action furnace. Oilers report, Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. So the Bakersfield Condors missed the playoffs. I mean, here's, here's the thing. As much work as Peter Shirelli, Brendan, has to do with the NHL team, is stocking the farm just as big a problem? Well, the, uh, Stoffer made a big point today that they need more skill, and that's fair down in Bakersfield because a lot of the guys that are doing all their scoring are veteran AHL players. They're not the other's prospects. I think uh, you would have hoped that Slepashev and Yakimov were playing on the first line down in Bakersfield this season. Reinhardt was their first pairing defenseman, maybe some other guys, but it seems to be the guys like Brad Hunt that get all the points on the back end. And you look at their scoring, it's Matthew Ford. So that is a big problem. Big, big problem. And the fact they didn't make the playoffs is a problem as well because you would like to see some of these prospects that the others have in the system and players that they just sent down from their roster to go down to help the, the final push into the regular or end of the regular season get some playoff time because that's big for young players and it's not happening so that's disappointing. LB did play a lot obviously last six weeks. Well if LB was there the whole year maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they make the playoffs. He, he was having a good AHL season yeah. and I, I, I think the I mean you would think that they have to get a backup goaltender with who's competent. Well, yeah, obviously competent. Who's hopefully a good backup? The thing but. is, I think LB's almost too good for the AHL, but he's maybe not ready. For, he's a tweener right now. Well, so, that's yeah. fine if he's a tweener right now because yeah. he's still young. If you're a tweener when you're 30, you're not going to get a lot of shots in the NHL. But mm-hmm. if he if he's a tweener right now, I don't know if he's too good for the AHL, but I think he's a well, he's an all star. He's a solid. A, well, yeah. you're right. He was on the All Star team, so that's going to be a, another priority as well. But but I I just I mean, if you look at what's coming in the now again. Are there guys coming in the farm who might be able to play on the fourth line? Okay, fine. Kara. Like he's, in, in the preseason, in the preseason, we're like, oh, Shlepyshev has a good one-timer that he got off a couple times. Did we ever see it in the games he played in the no. NHL? No. So it, you know, it, get, it gets ramped up. But he he is a guy that's intriguing. I think he has a chance. Yakimov the other up front. Uh, Dylan Simpson had a pretty strong season. He was down there the whole year. He's a guy you would hope maybe. At uh, some point next season, maybe gets a game or two in. Right. Osterley obviously was up here. He's a guy that they developed, and Davidson, the other one. So there are some guys, but uh, offensively, there's no one. That's that's a 
So that's the thing. I, I don't see, to get back to the two guys I brought up, well, f- four, if I, if I, include, I don't see the, I don't see a Craig Smith or a Riley Smith or a Vincent Trocek or a Cam Atkinson in the Oilers system or on the Oilers roster. I mean, okay, sure, Pouliot could get 20 goals if he's healthy for a whole season, but but he wasn't drafted by the Oilers. Plus, he's older than all the guys I'm talking about. Well, how old is Slepashev right now? Slepashev is still, hang on. Because he does have the skill set as some of those players you were talking about because he has the shot. All those guys you mentioned have a pretty good shot. He's still, okay, yeah, I thought he was 22. He's not quite 22. He turns 22 middle of May. Okay, so, so all right. Smith, the Smiths are, what, 25, 26 right now? So yeah, he might be a guy that can develop into a 20-goal scorer. So he has 13 goals in 49 uh, in 49 AHL games to slap a chef. All right, so okay, maybe. Maybe, yeah. but he's going to have yeah, to it's find. A maybe. <laughs> that's the thing, right? Oh. So, and and, that, and that's a whole other thing about the Oilers. And, and it was it was Craig Smith that started me thinking about this a couple weeks ago, because you know the Oilers played Nashville, and he always seems to be, you know, around the net and kind of involved. And you see the highlights, and he'll get a goal, or he'll kind of, you know, find a puck in front and be able to snipe it. And it's just like, all right, it's great the Oilers have these star. Like, look, obviously it's great they have McDavid, who you know, who knows, he could get ninety points next year if he's healthy. But where are the guys that just assist and you know they get they get you that goal every fourth or fifth game? They're on your second line. They're not a defensive liability. They're able to get involved on the forecheck. They're they're able to jam the puck near the net. They have decent enough hands, you know, and they just. It's almost like they. Not grind out those goals exactly, but they, they manufacture those goals. Well, that's that makes this draft very, very important for the Weathers organization, Rita. We know they'll have a high first-round pick. The second pick will be high as well. And then you have three third-rounders. So this is big. If you want to restock the, the farm, this might be the draft to do it. Brendan, I know you had a long day. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, I was just watching hockey and talking <laughs> hockey, so it's fine. Anytime. <laughs> Brendan Ulrich is the producer of Oilers Now. That fine show is on from noon to 2 every day. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. A little bit on the Ducks and the Predators surprising series with Brian Hayward from the Ducks broadcast booth and some clarity on what happened at the Allen Cup with Jamie Salm from Hockey Alberta when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.